Good morning, Light City. I wanted to take a minute to say thank you to each of you watching for spending a few minutes with us. You know, wherever you are, in whatever situation you find yourself in, I'm confident that God is with you. And he wants to use this message today to speak identity and purpose to you for the amazing life he has set out for you. Well, I want to jump in this morning, but before I do, make sure that you like this video, subscribe to our channel, and turn on that notification bell so that you're notified every time we go live or when we post new content. And also, if you haven't had a chance to give and want to partner with us to continue to preach the gospel to our community and to the world, there are links in our description box below. Or if you're on our website, there's a give button in the menu bar. Well, this morning, I'm going to continue with our Made Well series. It's been so great. Uh, But we're going to shift gears a bit as we move from a place of undoing the bad or the wrong identities we've developed to what does it look, what does it look like for God to speak identity to us? And I'd like to take us on a little bit of a journey if you'll come along with me, because I want to look at identity from a slightly different angle. And oftentimes, when we talk about identity, we see it as an end. And this morning, I'd like to submit that identity is the means and destiny is the end. I believe that the identity that God will speak to us, well, yes, it will make us feel good and empowered and bold. The purpose or the reason that God speaks identity to you is because there's a purpose for which you've been created. And oftentimes, the identity God will speak to you will come in the form of a dream or a desire in your life that God has put in your heart. And see, our purpose isn't to just believe good things about ourselves. It's to believe good things about ourselves, which empowers us to step out on the dream. Jesus said it clearly, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In other words, our mission is to use our identity to do the work of the ministry till the whole world sees Jesus. And I'm going to prove it to you this morning. If you'll turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 37, you know, the scripture in Genesis, chapter 37, verse 5, has so much in it. And, you know, there's going to be so, 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 so many of you, you know, you know the story of the biblical character Joseph. And so you'll be tempted to fast forward again to the end of the story. And I would challenge you not to, because this is where the sermon is going to start today in Genesis 37, verse 5. And I'm very excited about this one today, uh, but just one verse to get us started. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, the Bible says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him all the more. You know, so for everybody this morning who's thinking that when you get a God identity, you know, you get a good idea, everybody's going to go fund you, they're not. You know, and everybody's going to support you and they're going to understand you. Let me tell you, don't expect that. And before I really start to preach this message uh, today, it comes with a warning label. You know, if you like your nice, comfortable version of the way life is supposed to be, you know, you're going to want to slip out now, click off. I'm sure there's a great TED talk. Uh, But this message is for somebody who has a God-given identity, you know, that's led to a God-given dream, or at least this month you're starting to sense it. And, And I pray that, in fact, let's just pray right now to get started. Lord, I'm asking that you'd open up our hearts to receive what you say about us and give us the courage to obey it. And that's our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, oftentimes I wonder, Uh, what my kids, my kid and my future kids uh, will remember about their childhood. 
and I'm scared that they'll remember all the scenes that I want them to delete uh, because it seems like with kids, they remember all the times that you got mad more than the times that you bought them stuff. And, you know, I don't like it, uh, but I would say that some of the things that stand out to me about my childhood, you know, particularly my teenage years, some of the more random incidents. You know, one thing that I remember from my childhood, and I'm sure that the parties involved in this story will remember things a little differently than I do, uh, but they're not here today. So I can tell the story the way I want to tell it. Uh, and it started probably when I was just 13 years old. And one night, you know, late at night, I can remember watching TV alone and just flipping through all the TV stations. And, you know, you remember the days when you couldn't binge watch Brooklyn 99, but you had to watch it week after week, you know, for the three months to find out if Captain Holt actually gets his job back. You know, those were the days. Uh, but I was watching TV and I remember flipping through the channels and I flipped to a channel where there was a person getting a heart transplant. And it was a guy who was, for all I know, gonna die, but with a transplant went on to live a normal life. And you know, I was a caring and sentimental child. You know, I was sensitive. I love stuffed animals and I really generally cared about people. That wasn't how I would describe the 13-year-old version of myself, but the child version, you know, he was like that. So when I watched this show of this doctor saving this guy's life, you know, I should add after the nausea subsided, it spoke to a deep piece of identity in me and expressed itself in a dream. And I'm fairly confident that it was from that moment forward, my entire life became about being a doctor. Now, fast forward, you know, a few years, I remember being at a friend's house. Uh, and, you know, the, I promise this trip down memory lane is only going to last a few more seconds, but he had just come back from playing a baseball game. And during the game, he had slid into a base, you know, not a DM, into a base, uh, and had this huge cut on his knee. And when I saw the cut, I thought, perfect, you know, finally my moment to shine, to express the gift that God has placed on the inside of me. And, you know, I remember we get all the supplies prepped and we begin to, you know, pour peroxide on the cut to disinfect it. And now, disclaimer, if you've ever done this before, you know that it starts bubbling and it starts oozing. And before I had the chance to even express the reason that I was created, I passed out smashed my head on the counter and needed medical attention myself. You know, quite the turn of events. But the point of the story I'm trying to tell you is that a lot of the times, the identity, you know, the dream that we start out with, the dream that we think we see on the stage of our life will show up later in our life in a different dimension. And it will often be such a different dimension that we will not even recognize the dream as the original dream. And the Bible says that when Joseph was, you know, around 17 years old, he had a dream. And his brothers hated him all the more for it. And that phrase lets me know that Joseph's brothers already didn't really like him. And, you know, we can argue if, you know, we want to about it was wise for Joseph to share with his brothers the content of his dream. You know, I've realized there's such a thing as talking too much posting too much. There's such a thing as sharing too much, such a thing as thinking that everybody else wants to hear what God has put in your heart. But one thing we can conclude from the text is that even from a biological perspective is that Joseph was different. And one thing I've noticed about having a dream is that a dream makes you different. Joseph was different from his brothers, not only in his aspirations, but he was from a different mother. You know, they shared the same father, Jacob, 
And if I listed the names, you know, you might recognize a few of them. They were the patriarchs of the tribes of Israel. But Joseph didn't come through the same mom that his brothers came through. He was the son of Rachel, the pretty one. And his dad really liked her. Uh, and when Joseph saw that his favorite wife, Rachel, you know, disclaimer, Danielle, you're my favorite wife. You know, by the way, I just wanted to put that in this message. Uh, Rachel had given him a son. And he liked him extra special and treated him special and felt differently about Joseph than he did about the other boys to this point. And I don't really know if you've read the story lately, but you remember that one of the things that he did for him was he bought him, you know, this nice Gucci coat. And Joseph is always wearing it around and all the time. And his, he's always asking his brothers, you know, you like my coat? And, and they're like, no, we hate your coat. And he's like, you know, you like my coat? And, and they're like, no, we hate you. You know, we hate you because you're different, you know? And, and okay, now here's the thing. I'm excited for my kids and you know, my kid and my future kids to grow up and because it's really such an amazing opportunity to teach them and shape them. And one of the lessons that I learned that I'm most excited to teach my kids is that people accept what is the same, but eventually respect what's different. You know, people eventually come around and respect what stands out. But what happens to most of us is, is the moment that we start to realize the differences between us and other people, we start to downplay our distinctives in order to fit in and conform with culture. One thing I'm really proud about when I read about Joseph, and I know it's pretty strange for me to say that I'm proud of Joseph, like he really cares, but I'm proud that he had the courage to wear his coat anyways. You know, I mean, it would have been on, it, it may have been unwise, but I'm proud that he wasn't afraid to show up in the room looking different because he was clothed in the fabric of the favor of his father. And I wonder this morning, are you courageous enough to wear your coat? Because a lot of the times what I found is that God will begin to show you things about yourself, about your life, about your calling about your direction, about what he put on the inside of you, about the gifts that he's given you. But someone will actually beat the distinctive out of you if you don't clearly know enough of what God is talking about or what the calling of, that, of God that he has in your life, you know? And this is the thing is that the calling of God is, is greater than people. And if God is for me, then who can be against me, right? Touch somebody in the room with you right now and say, I'm gonna wear my coat. And even if people criticize me for it, I'm not ashamed to walk in the love and the favor of God. And oh, I realize we need some Christians who don't check their coat at the door of culture who are unashamed to be optimistic about the future because you know God's already there and he's the author and the finisher of your faith. You see, what I'm saying is that a dream will make you different and it takes courage to be different. It takes courage to speak different. And if you get a hold of a dream or, you know, better said, if a dream gets hold of you from the throne of God, it will make you walk different and talk different and think different and eat different and drink different and party different and text different. A dream, it will make you different. A dream will make you different. And I'm glad that Joseph had the courage to be different. And I wonder, do we have that courage to be different? You know, one of the weird things about our church is a lot of people come to our, they're attracted to our church because it's different. And then when they get to the church, guests are trying to tell us how we need to make it like the church they left to come to the church that was different, right? 
It's the truest thing. Like you're attracted to something because it's different. And they even say this about marriage, that before marriage, opposites attract and then opposites attack because you're attracted to what's different. You're drawn to what's different. Not at first. At first you fear it. And this is why they crucified Jesus because he was different, you know? We don't know what to do with him. He's grace, but then he's truth. He's different. And someone needs to chat that this morning that I'm different. And, and I don't mean different in style. I mean different in substance. And I don't just mean different for the sake of being different, because frankly, it's kind of annoying. And, you know, there's always a temptation. You know, I've, I've noticed that some people just want to be different but there's nothing different about being different to be different. There's something different about being different because you have, different, you have a different identity. You have a different dream. See, I don't just dream of making it through the day. I don't just dream of surviving my life. I don't just dream. Like when, when you get a dream, it will make you different. You'll start sacrificing and people are going to think you're crazy because of what you sacrifice, right? Like even if you go on a diet, you know, you have a dream to lose 20 pounds and the first thing that everybody around you is going to do is say, you know, you're no fun and you're not fun the way you used to be and you used to just, you know, eat all the time and just, but let me tell you, don't let the fact that they don't have the discipline to eat different cause you to give up on a goal that you've set. And that's real for your life. And if it's true with the diet, how much more true is it with our destiny? I wonder this morning, have you been dumbing down your identity because it's been too painful? And if you're not careful, you will be conformed to the patterns of this world rather than being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because you see, Christians are supposed to see different. We're supposed to think different. We're supposed to understand different. We have a different perspective. And I've always thought Joseph's life was a story about, you know, perseverance. You know, Joseph had a dream when he was young, and then he had to go through a lot of things. But, you know, don't give up on your dream because eventually you'll achieve your dream. And this is really a cultural understanding of dreams. It's not a Christian understanding of them at all. It's not a scriptural understanding of dreams. And we have a really bad habit often of taking a concept like a dream and then overlaying our own preferences, our own prejudices onto that concept. And so we make it what it's not and we miss what it really is. Because it's really common for people to say, you know, follow your dreams. And if you study the life of Joseph, and I mean really study, you know, every word, every jot, every indentation, every period, every comment, like I did preparing to preach this, you will see a phrase iterated over and over again. You know, no matter what he went through, it says the Lord was with Joseph. And that's a statement about God's presence. And you'll see that wherever he was, God promoted him. And that's a statement of purpose. But the story of Joseph is not about getting a dream and, you know, holding tight onto that dream and persevering. Because I used to think this was the story of Joseph, you know, like, don't let anybody talk you out of your dream. And, you know, if your mom told you that you're going to be the next, you know, or, you know, the next, you know, whatever, just hold on to the dream. And, and then anybody who doesn't agree with your dream is just a hater, you know? 
Maybe not. Maybe your mom just loved you too much to hear the bad notes you were hitting, and you're not supposed to be a professional singer. You know, just a thought. You know, and, and oftentimes, you know, I want to say I'm sick of it because, because we take Joseph, and it's, it's really not fair to Joseph, you know. He went through this whole life, you know, he was called and he was chosen and there was all kinds of conflict that came along and, and we're like, Joseph had a dream, you know, do you have a dream? Would you like to open your own company? Be like Joseph. He had a dream and then you could make it, you know, ah, from the pit ah, to the palace ah, and hold on in the pit ah, because the palace ah, is on the other side. And, and let's just go into this for a moment. Because that's actually not the story of Joseph's life. The story of Joseph's life has nothing to do with, you know, if you can have a dream, you know, and you could dream a dream that's big enough that God is somehow obligated to bless it. Because watch this. Joseph didn't ask God for a dream. You know, Joseph didn't make a vision board, you know. That doesn't mean you can't make one, you know. I have made my share of vision boards and but as we talk about this, let's just be clear of what we mean when we say a dream. And then it becomes very devastating. Watch this, because your dream can oftentimes become a distraction. Now, Joseph's dream was very specific and epic, and it had broad implications. You know, and, and he tells his brothers his dream. He comes out in his coat one day, you know, and they're like, oh God, this guy. And, you know, and he comes over and they're like, listen, man, you got to talk to him this time. I'm just so sick of talking to him. And he's like, hey guys, guess what? I had a dream. Would you like to hear my dream? And they're like, no, uh, we hate your dream. In fact, we hate your coat. In fact, we hate your voice. No, 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 no. We hate you. You're different. But the thing about Joseph was he didn't really care whether they wanted to hear it. He was going to tell them anyways. You know, I've realized that a journal could have really helped Joseph. You know, somewhere where he could have wrote down his thoughts and just didn't feel the need to tell, you know, everybody else in the world. He just really needed somewhere that he could you know, process his dreams on his own where he didn't have to get other people involved too soon. But nevertheless, even Joseph's inability to discern the nature of the dream and who around him was capable of handling it played a part in leading him to the place where he could do the dream that God put in his heart. I gotta say, I'm hoping you felt God on that one. It was a zinger. Because God's dream for my life will often involve the decisions of my life. You know, even if my decisions are immature, God will use some of the desires in my heart that aren't good. You know, they're not good desires at first, but Psalms 34 verse 7 says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And, you know, he'll take those desires and he'll purify them and he'll rinse them and he'll separate the wheat from the chaff and bring you to an ultimate place of identity. But when Joseph started sharing his dream with his brothers, you know, it was all about him. He had a dream and it was awesome. And, you know, and he's like, you know, we were binding the sheaves of grain and like your sheaves sort of bowing down to my sheaves. And, and isn't it awesome? And they're like, no, no, it's not awesome. You know, we hate your dream. We hate your coat. We hate you. You know, but he's like, oh, but then I had another dream. And in this dream, there were 11 stars. And I'm sorry, I don't know why Joseph sounds like Keanu Reeves at this point, you know, but there were 11 stars and the sun and the moon. And they were all bowing down to me. Isn't my dream awesome? And they're like, no, dude, 
It's not awesome, you know? We don't like your dream. In fact, we hate your dream so much that we're going to push you into a pit and leave you for dead. You know, and if it hadn't have been for one of his brothers, Reuben, who decided, you know, instead of killing this guy, we should at least get 20 shekels of silver out of this boy, you know? There's no need to just kill him when we could profit off of him. And so, you know, they wouldn't have sold him to the Ishmaelite caravan, you know, if he wouldn't have shared his dream. And, you know, if he wouldn't have been left for dead, they wouldn't have sold him. But understand that Joseph's decision to speak out about his dream prematurely, ah, this is so good, was part of what God used to motivate his brothers to push him into the pit. You know, and at the same time, there was an Ishmaelite caravan that was setting out to bring, you know, whoever they would pick up along the way back into a place of slavery. Now this was a place of slavery, but in a minute, we're going to find out that it also ultimately becomes a place of deliverance. And, you know, all life city, ah, oh, this is so good. I'm going to teach you some Bible today because here's the thing. When Joseph was picked up and put in Potiphar's house, ah, he served so well in Potiphar's house that everything Potiphar put under him prospered. And so when Potiphar saw how Joseph served, he promoted him to a position of influence. But, ah, but he wouldn't have been in Potiphar's house to begin with if he hadn't been pushed into the pit. And he wouldn't have been pushed into the pit if he didn't wear the coat. So when you leave your coat in the closet and you downplay your dream to fit in with people who don't like you because you're different, you end up in a position where you need, where you don't end up in the position where you need to be in. And I feel like I'm preaching to somebody who's different. You see, the more like Christ you become, the more different from culture you'll be. And, you know, it's all right to be weird. And it's all right to have hope. And it's all right to have vision. And it's all right to know who you are. And all this happened because Joseph had a dream. And yet Joseph's dream looked nothing, you know, when it finally happened, like it looked in the distance when he first saw it. You know, could you relate to this, you know? how sometimes marriage looks different in the distance than it does after 20 years. You know, if I had my married couples in here, you know, and for the 20 plus years, you know, they'd let you know that it's so much different, so much different, so much better, so much harder, <laughs> so much different. You know, it's not like the movies that I saw. It's not like the songs that I heard. It's different. It's just different because when Joseph is young, he sees, you know, shiny stars. But sometimes when it comes up closer, it's not so shiny anymore. Having kids is different. You know, this is where me and Danielle are different. You know, she always dreamed of being a parent. And, you know, I didn't dream of being a parent. I dreamed about being a doctor and, you know, then a preacher, you know. But a few months ago, a friend of mine was having a baby and, you know, he was telling me how happy he was and, and how he had always dreamed of being a dad. And honestly, it made me feel sorry for my kid, you know. In fact, if we could be really honest and delete this video immediately after I preach this, I dreaded being a dad because all I ever saw kids do was make people leave restaurants before they finish their meals. So you know, like now, obviously, if you see me with my daughter, there's no greater delight in my life than her, you know, at least 30% of the time, you know, there's no greater investment. There's nothing that I'm more passionate about. There's nothing that can just wake me up more and, and make me realize what matters more. But it wasn't the thing I dreamed about. It was the thing that I did. And when I did it, God gave me the desire for it. But it didn't start as a dream. It started as a duty. And this is so critical 
for a world in a time where, you know, we're, we're always told to follow your dreams, but there's no record in Genesis 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, where the Bible says, you know, and Joseph remembered his dream and, you know, pushed on through because when life gets hard, you know, you got to have a dream and sometimes life is going to give you hurdles, but, you know, just follow your dream, you know, and, and guess what I can't find in Genesis where Joseph followed his dream. In fact, catch this. What I saw in Genesis was this. Joseph's dream followed him. So watch this. I don't follow dreams. I follow Jesus. And when I do, dreams follow me. Joseph's dream followed Joseph. It followed him to Potiphar's house. It followed him to the prison. It followed him into Pharaoh's court because dreams follow me when I follow Jesus. If you look behind your life, you'll see very clearly that some of the things that God did for you and some of the doors that God opened for you and some of the ways that he made for you and some of the opportunities that he granted for you were accidental from your perspective. But I've got good news for you. God's dream for you is bigger than your dream for you. Just because it doesn't look shiny when you see it doesn't mean it isn't real. God said, you've got the right dream. You just need to see it differently. The fact of the matter is that some of us are standing in the middle of our dreams, but we can't see it because it feels different than we thought it would when we first saw it. And I believe in dreams, but it's not the same kind of dream. You got to know this. This was the dream that Joseph didn't decide for himself. You know, don't follow your dreams because what if your dream was just the first draft? I want to ask you this morning, are you open to a revision? You know, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to help people. But I didn't know that God was going to let me help people and pastor a church that would have a mandate to help people beyond what you can help people on an operating table. You know, it wasn't my dream, but God took that desire and he gave me a dream. Right? It's the value of a bigger picture, but your dream can be a distraction because now you're not following Jesus, you're following your dream. And when your dream takes you down an unexpected path, you know, you start to complain and freak out and get frustrated and you are missing the dream because you will not wake up to the reality. You know, sometimes we have to know the difference between a dream and a fantasy. You know, being a mom is the first draft. You know, waking up in the middle of the night as a new mom, sometimes you got to tell yourself and remind yourself, you know, this is the dream. You know, like even if you have to fake a smile, uh, you know, because the devil won't know the difference. You know, all he's seeing is that you're smiling, that this is the dream, right? And yet it's not going to feel like American Idol and it won't feel like, you know, you just won that gold, Olympic gold medal because it's not the same kind of dream. And by the time Joseph's dream finally came true, because dreams do come true, it was two decades later. You know, not only had he been falsely imprisoned, not only had he been forgotten about, not only had he been completely misunderstood, not only had, had he been incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit, but in the process of it, he was unappreciated for his part in someone else's freedom. Yeah, when we finally get to his dream, 
he realized something that oftentimes is very hard for us to comprehend in our Instagram world, that God develops dreams in the dark room. And the issue that we have in an, you know, an Instagram expectation, but we serve a dark room God. You know, when you get your developed, your picture developed by a professional, you know, they don't post it 10 seconds after they took it with a prefabricated filter by Instagram Incorporated. They take it to a special room, you know, and they do special things to it in the special room. You know, if you ever had to drop a roll of film off at Walmart, you know, if any of you have ever had to go through a season in your life where you had to trust a professional, you know, where you had to put something in the hands of God, you know, where you had to hand him the negatives and trust him to take the negatives and take them into the secret place of the most high and take them into the place of his purpose and take them into the place of his wisdom and take them into the place of his mystery and trust him that if I have to put it in his hands and I have to have patience to let it develop and I have to have patience to know that every scene of my life is playing a part in the bigger picture, not of the dream that I had, you know, but it was, it's about the desire that was in God's heart. And, you know, I might be standing in the middle of a dream that I don't have the clarity to see right now because the picture doesn't matter match my preference. But watch this. I'm willing, I'm ready, and able to trust God even in the dark places of my disappointment because I understand that some of God's greatest work happens in the dark. You know, where I don't understand. You know, I'm feeling around and I thought it was going to be done by now. And I thought it was going to be different. And this isn't how they put it on the box. And, you know, this isn't the way the hamburger looked on the commercial. But here I am, God, and, and I trust you, not my dream. I trust you, not my idea. You know, I will not take my ideas as my idols, right? I'm worshiping you. I'm serving you. It's not about position. It's about purpose. So when he finally had his dream come true, you know, it was not in the form of shiny stars. It was in the form of his 11 brothers who betrayed him, coming to him and asking for food. And Joseph is in Pharaoh's court distributing the grain for not only them, but for, for that nation, but all the nations surrounding. And he looked up at his brothers who heard him, who are standing with their hands out, and he realized this is the dream. And I'm at the center of it, but catch this. It's not for status. It's for service. I wonder this morning, has God been trying to, to, to get you to see this concept in your own life? That we attach ourselves to a version of a dream that may not have even come from God to begin with. And what if the greatest thing that God is going to do through your life is what he's going to allow you to contribute to somebody else's, right? Are you even open to this dream, right? When Mary, when the angel came to Mary and he said, you're going to have a baby, right? Then when the angel came to Joseph in a dream, he said, you're going to help her, right? What if the dream that God has for me isn't even about me? It's why we call it a whisper, because if you're not careful, you can miss it. 
And we start thinking like, you know, this is what my kids are going to grow up to do. And it's like, you know, okay, mom, put away your Harvard mug, you know, put it back in the cabinet. Because what if your kid doesn't turn out to do what you wanted them to do? What if God has a different dream for them? What if it's better? What if it's deeper? What if the reason God let your dream die was because it wasn't big enough? See, when we put too much pressure on a dream to come true, we allow our dream to become a distraction from the season that we're in. And, and I preach this way because if Joseph had gone around looking for, you know, for stars, you know, for his dream, you know, reach for the stars— but it wasn't in the form of a star that his dream came from. It was in the form of his brothers. It was in the form of a responsibility. It was in the form of a duty. You see, you don't have to have this grand dynamic dream to serve, to serve God, you know? Stop feeling guilty. Can I tell this morning? Stop feeling guilty because you don't have some, you know, huge dream to end cancer or to start a new ministry or to, you know, maybe be the next Bill Gates or Elon Musk or maybe you don't want to go to space, you know. Maybe you don't have the talent for that, you know. Maybe you don't have a huge dream, but you don't need a huge dream to serve God with purpose in this season of your life. And I wonder if there's somebody watching here, right, online, somebody watching who's standing right in the middle of the dream, but it looks different than it did in the distance, right? Because this is the dream, to know him, to serve him, to love him. And there's two types of people right, watching right now as I close. Some of you are discouraged because you had a dream and it didn't happen and it hasn't happened yet. You don't know if it ever will. And there are others who are disillusioned because you're in your dream but it's different than you thought it was going to be. You know, you're standing in the middle of it, but it's your brothers who are around you. And God said that today was going to be a day for you, for you to see the dream for what it really is and to let go of the illusion of what you thought it would be. And I'd like to pray for you, and I'm, I'm done teaching. And it's one of those things that we all have to deal with at different points in our life to realize that this is, you know, this is what I, I this is what I saw, but it just doesn't feel the same. And I believe God wants me to ask you a question this morning. Are you open to a different dream? Maybe it's not a different dream. Maybe it's just a more mature version of it. You see, the disciples had a dream for Jesus, you know, that he was going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And then when they saw him hanging on the cross, they didn't know what to do with that. You know, that wasn't what they saw. That wasn't the liberation they were expecting, but that's the way he did it. And it's in the process of doing it, and it's in the process of accepting it, that greater faith is born. So I want to invite you, if you find yourself in one of those two dreams, as we talk about this place of rebuilding our identity, you find yourself, maybe you had dreams and you've given up on them, or maybe you're living in your dream and it doesn't look or feel the way you thought it was going to, and you feel confused about how to move forward. I'm going to pray for each of these two groups. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and 
close your eyes as we take a moment of privacy and concentration to begin to hear from the Lord as he speaks this identity, this dream on the inside of us. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice right now. Lord, we find ourselves in different seasons of life. We find ourselves in different stages of the dream, different moments of identity. God, I'm asking that wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves in whatever group we identify with, Lord, we're asking this morning that you would awaken our eyes, open up our eyes to truly see. Lord, we're asking that you would strengthen us, grow us, mature us to be the people you've destined us to be. We're done living small. We're done chasing our own dreams, our own stuff, our own satisfaction. But God, let it be said this month in this series, Made Well, that we're chasing after you. In Jesus' name. And before I close really quickly, I want to invite you, if you would find yourself, yes, maybe in one of those two groups, but maybe you're finding yourselves on the stream this morning and you'd say, I'm hearing all this talk about Jesus and the Bible and God's identity and his dream for you, but I don't know Jesus that way. Maybe you've never come into a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to pray a very simple prayer after me. The scripture tells us that when we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose again, that he was the sacrifice for our sins, that we would be saved, that we can enter into a relationship with Jesus, that we can step into the identity, the dream that he has for us. So I'm going to invite you just very simply, wherever you are, in your home, in your car, wherever you find yourself, just pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, I confess that you are my savior and my Lord, that you went to the cross to die, to take on my sin so that in its place, I could take your righteousness. I receive you now as my savior and my Lord. Lead me, guide me, enlarge me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that, I want to let you know, you can't see it right now or hear it, but our whole Light City family is rejoicing with you that you've made this decision to enter into relationship with Jesus. And not just our Light City family, but Scripture tells us that all of heaven is rejoicing because you just decided to give your life to Jesus. Let me tell you something. It is an adventure that you will be so thankful that you jumped on. I also want to invite you, connect with us. Info at golightcity.com. Uh, uh, we would love to hear from you. We would love to talk with you. Also, I want to let you know right down below us in the description box, we have an amazing uh, phone background that we've made for you that's just reminding us as we go through this week to keep our coats on. Well, God bless you guys. That's all we have for you today. I trust that you are blessed, that you are empowered, that you feel recharged, that your dreams and the God identity in you is beginning to be rekindled. And that above all else, you remember that you were made well. God bless you guys.